MarkAndersonUKColumn.org at the first day of the Red Pill Conference, July 9, 2022, and I'm talking with Dr. David Martin right after his long and very informative morning speech. Welcome, David Martin. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I, a lot of what you said rang true with what I've studied about monetary matters, which is some of my specialties. Uh, of course, you, you said a lot of things that I had never heard before or didn't know, so I learned a lot today. Um, and you talked about how the financial system is intertwined with what now is big pharma, but were in the old days heroin and opium dealers and yeah. whatnot. We've heard of the opium wars and whatnot. I think even the Chinese were suppressed in those. Yep. But at any rate, um, what is the takeaway message here that people in the UK and America and beyond need to hear? Yeah, well, I think the highlight is that we, we've been duped into believing that this is an economic system that's relatively modern in its weaknesses and its failings and its, and its kind of takeover by various special interests. And, and that's really a wrong-headed view. Um, since the Holy Roman Empire, so go back to Austria in the 9th and 10th century, all the way forward, uh, certainly by the time we get to the 17th century, the British East India Company, the Dutch trading uh, East and West India Companies, if we look at all of those things, we realize that the economy of the world as we know it, which includes, by the way, the birth of the military-industrial complex, right? the British Navy, the American Navy, what were they for? They were for the drug trade. This was built. Every single bit of this was built around the drug trade. So when you know we were warned in in the you know mid part of the last century, beware the industrial military complex. That was a foil for don't be aware of what's really being supporting even that. I, I've That's heard that the, before that that, that was something a of a diversion. Yes, of course it is because yeah. it was the pharmaceutical industry, the industrial chemical industry that was the one behind that. Remember that every single thing that we've ever seen in our economic system is built on the avoidance of death through drugs and the betting on death through insurance. Those two structures are the reason why London exists. The city of London exists because of that. Right? The banking system of America exists because of this. BlackRock exists because of the $14 trillion of assets held by these companies that have to be invested. And Vanguard and State Street. Well, yeah, but BlackRock is, is nearly twice. And if you go and look, by the way, at Vanguard's most recent statement, and I'm going to be talking about this in a speech I'm giving in July 23rd in, in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. But if you go back and you look at those financial statements, what you realize is that they have been taking money out of the U.S. economy. Over the last two years, they've been taking money out of the U.S. economy, and that is because their clients, life insurers, banks, pensions, everybody else, they're taking money out because they know that the change is already upon us, and so they are deleveraging their risk on the United States and taking their risk elsewhere. This is an important point to realize. The drug trade has always driven what we call the modern economy. It has driven it ever since the 1500s, and nothing about that has changed to this day. Is there anything besides drugs in the mix? No, drugs are the, I mean, yes, obviously everything is, is a corollary to it. But the, listen, if you want to get the head of the dragon, the head of the dragon is singular. The head of the dragon is the drug trade. The drug trade is the way we leverage and ultimately arbitrate when people live and when people die. Because it is through the drug trade that we mitigate life. You know, what was interesting, too, and I've heard this view on the Revolutionary War before, that it really wasn't so much a war between the American colonists and England as much as it was a war between competing East India branches. That's exactly what it is. I mean, if you look at the Treaty of Ghent, and by the way, you mentioned that, let's yeah. just establish for the sake of argument here, why did the United States and Britain sign a treaty of peace in Ghent? 
See, that's a very interesting I don't know. puzzle. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. But, but, but you should not jump over the self-evident problem with what I just said. Right. Right, because we didn't end the Civil War when we think that it ends. We didn't end the First World War when we think it ends. We didn't end the Second World War when we think it ends. And we certainly didn't end the Revolutionary War when we imagined that somehow or another something between July 4th, 1776 and two weeks later when we had somebody drumming a drum. Most Americans think that we won, right? But the reason why we had the War of 1812 is because we hadn't won the Revolutionary War. The second it wasn't about a revolutionary war, right? The first and second bank of the United States was not about financing America. It was about financing the private investors who funded the, are you ready for this, Dutch and Spanish loans to the Continentals in 1775, a year before we even had the Declaration of Independence. People have this horrific mistake of looking at history and jumping over the self-evident conflict, which is, hold on a second. Somebody was financing a war in 1775. Yeah, and the Declaration of Independence Declaration wasn't until of in- July 4, 1776. So it's a great branding exercise to dupe an American, and for that matter, a global reality where you go, look, America fought its War of Independence 1776 to 1780, because nobody actually can answer the end of that one, right? right? People think that somehow it was Washington and Cornwallis, and ah, that's how it ended. No, it didn't. It kept going, right? We didn't actually have end of hostilities even in 1789. We didn't actually have end of hostilities, and the fact that we have the War of 1812 is an inconvenient little anomaly. Well, a lot of people have said World War II was a continuation of World War One. Of course it is. And then, you, so you're saying, well, I believe when 1812 erupted, it was partially because we made noise about pulling out of the second central bank, the se- second bank of the United States, and we were going to go it alone, and the British didn't want that to happen. Now, that's one interpretation. Well, no, as a matter of fact, if you go back and look, the first bank of the United States was actually set up, the charter was set up to expire. Yes, they, they had 20-year charter. meant right. to expire. right. The fact is that we didn't shut down the first bank. We just didn't renew its charter. Right. And that's a very important distinction because people who think that there is a nefarious act behind that miss the point that the reason why Jefferson conceded to the first bank was to actually say, we're in debt. Debt is a bad idea. We shouldn't be in debt. And we should put an expiration on the maturity of that debt. So the establishment of the bank charter was to expire because it wasn't supposed to keep going. That's why it was built. Right, but the second bank, I believe, even though it was expiring after 20 years, the British didn't want us to pull out of the idea of a central bank, I believe. Well, remember, that, they, that, that's, that's where Hamilton, if you go back and look at Hamilton's role in all this, yeah. which, by the way, I think it's fascinating as I'll get out, that Hamilton is heralded as a hero on the verge of COVID, right? We have a Broadway show on Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about this. The most celebrated musical on Broadway is actually celebrating the guy who did what? Entrap us into the British monetary system. The debt-based system, right. Right? Yeah. So so we celebrate him. We brainwash people into going, Hamilton, he's the good guy. He's on Broadway, right? No. Hamilton was the idiot that decided to actually go against all of the other founding fathers to say, hey, by the way, that's a bad idea. And the one founding father we never talk about, William Durr, why don't we talk about him? Why don't you talk about him? I'm not familiar with him. Yeah, that's kind of funny, isn't it? 
the guy who led the largest speculation on behalf of France that actually bankrupted the first bank. Of the How United do you spell States. the last name? D U E R. Well, let me let me ask you this. Let me switch gears uh, to wind it up a little bit. You were talking about John Jacob Astor and other yeah. financiers. What about Haim Solomon and Robert Morris? All interesting players, but not really significant given the fact that they weren't the largest shareholders. I like to look at controlling shareholders. Yeah, you mentioned controlling th- shareholders. Stephen Gerard and John Jacob Astor are the controlling shareholders, and if you don't actually pay attention to them, their minions are not really interesting. Yeah, because a lot of people point to Jewish influences, not just Spanish and French. Oh, and and, and yeah. listen, listen. Ever since, ever since long before there was, you know, Jesus walking the, you know, seas of Galilee, there have been people who have found a Jew behind everything, just like there are people who find a Mason behind everything, just like the people who find something. I can find a Christian behind everything too. You know, last time I checked, Constantinople is named after a guy. Who, if you go back and look at history, I mean, uncomfortably, go back to the fourth century and ask yourself, let's see, a mass murdering psychopath who has a mother who has a delusional dream that her son is somehow deific. Um, you know, we can find bad guys in every story. The problem is, when you paint with a brush, this group is behind it, I can guarantee you that that brush is held by a propagandist. These are individuals, these are people who decide to give their souls over to evil. This is not a group. Now, there are members of groups who do more things like that, and I'm not dismissing that. But what I'm saying is the fact that people do not know Stephen Gerrard, but they are sure that they can find the Jew, and people don't know John Jacob Astor, but they are sure they can find the Rothschild, the problem is if you're looking for the thing, you can always find it. But you will find it in the same delusional propaganda. Well, that's that is that, that's, always always misleading. That's people. confirmation bias. Yeah, absolutely. Now the uh, entities you mentioned, the uh, the Bank of England and Lloyd's of London, uh, wouldn't we have to look at their stockholders too? Wouldn't we no also? Question. Wouldn't we also find the Rothschilds there? Oh yeah, and you'll find certainly. But you'll yeah. also find the Flemings. Did you know that? James well, I'd Bond. Ha- I'd have to look at no James Bond's family. That family, James Bond. Right. Oh, you mean Ian Fleming? Yeah, but yeah, the Fleming the, Family Trust, right? right Ian right. Fleming, the Fleming Family Trust is there too. So, are you going to tell me that James Bond is is part of the vast conspiracy? I don't know. Maybe he is. My point is, yes, you will find people. But here's the thing: go well, back. James, to James Bond was just a fictional creation of Fleming, but, who who but, was MI six, right? Yeah. But my point is simple. Yeah. I can back through dotted lines any story I want, literally any story I want. Go back to the Peugeot Commission and the Anderson Commission, 1910-1911. Read the Interlocking Directorate Study, which is a matter of public record in the Congress, and guess what you find? You find Lutherans, Presbyterians, Jews, agnostics. You find everything you're looking for. And I can write a story because there were only 70 names in the Interlocking Directorate's picture. I can tell you that I could take any single one of those names, look at every one of their lineages, and tell me... Oh, it's the Eastern Europeans that control the world. It's the Jews that control the world. It's the Catholics that control the world. It's the whoever controls the world. The fact of the matter is, corrupt people control the world. It's a conglomeration of, exactly a, or right. a coalition, if you will. They uh, could care less about which no, God they worship. No, yeah, now, the, the, the uh, Presbyterian roots you mentioned in insurance. Yep. Real quick, I've also heard of the concept of the Tuntine. Yeah, well, that is a separate kind of variation of trust law. The actual trust law around Tontine contracts is a totally different framework. But what the Scottish Presbyterians did was uh-huh. they decided to pay their parish priests or their parish 
chapels, less money, and they decided to cover the costs of the widows and orphans of those people married to their clergy. That's the birth of what we now call life insurance. And life insurance was built on the back of the Scottish Presbyterians. You know, lastly, just whatever the infrastructure of this thing might be, what's the way out of this financially? At least at least, what's the signpost we should follow? Well, the signpost is really simple. We have to get back to a productive economy. And what does that mean? We have to actually bet on actual production of goods and services, calories, everything else. There's some really good, you know, economic theories around this. But the way I look at it, and I didn't get to it in the presentation, but the way I look at it is very simple. We must have a world in which productivity is the basis of economies. Anytime we move from that to speculation, we are introducing an error that will ultimately destroy whatever we build. I mean, get rid of the gambling casino yep. aspects of it. Exactly now, right. But also, uh, real quickly, I can't resist this one. Uh, with automation, with AI, a lot of people have said that we've conquered the problem of production. The problem is consumption. We can't seem to balance production and consumption, uh, like the social creditor uh, um, Major Douglas talked yeah. about, and Stephen Zerlinga has talked about it yeah. a little bit, that, that we need interest-free money in circulation that roughly is in parity with GDP, so production can be purchased, because you don't want to just produce things and have them pile up. Yeah. You produce shoes to wear them, you produce cars to drive them. Oh, well, and so one of the things you're issuing is a whole nother conversation about scalar functions versus linear functions. Inside of a scaled reality, which says, how many clothes am I wearing at a time, right? Do I need a closet with 50 outfits when I probably wear 10 shirts 90% of the time, right? Do I need all those things? Here's the thing. If we saw consumption as the drug that it is, and remember, I started this conversation. This is about a drug problem. It's an addiction problem. We've decided to identify ourselves based on the what we wear rather than the who we are. The what we drive rather than the character of our souls. We well, decide yeah. we decided to adopt an addiction model of consumption rather than a life oriented model. What I'm talking about is if we actually had our hands on the production, had the hands on the consumption, we would actually produce more rightly and we would consume more appropriately. The current model we have is a model that is no different from a drug model. It's based on addiction, it's based on consumption, and it's based on something where there's never enough. Yeah, I certainly didn't mean uncontrolled yeah. or, or undisciplined consumption, yeah, but, but, but mean, the use of a product. Yeah, yeah. Go, 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 back, go back to one of the most uncomfortable conversations that we've had across the 1900s, and we stopped having it in about 1970. But remember that when you actually have the most celebrated industrial designer of the 1900s, being a guy who created the term planned obsolescence. Okay? okay. Stay with that. That wasn't Buckminster Fuller, was no. it? Okay, okay. But if you have in industrial design a not only an incentive to create planned obsolescence, meaning that you're so unattached to a thing you'd rather throw it out than fix it. That's what that means. So now you take that world... And you add to it the fact that in tax, we depreciate physical assets over a seven-year period. Right. So we actually created a world in which we created extermination by fiat, right? So we have planned obsolescence, extermination by fiat. In that world, you only create a world like that to feed a debt instrument that feeds the banks and insurance companies, which are beholden to the, are you ready for this? Drug companies. That's the problem. The problem is it's an addiction-based model. Right? And so people don't talk about Brooks Stevens. Mm -hmm. Why not? 
The guy who invented the grill of the Jeep well, well, and the Evinrude motor. Well, you hear the Chicago plan by Irving Fisher. You hear no, no, d- but different Brooke Stevens yeah. is the guy we should be talking about because Brooke Stevens is the guy who invented and then propagated planned obsolescence on behalf of a tax strategy that tried to market the notion that we had to obsolete physical assets. We don't. We, well, well, we just wanna... don't talk about the people who we should be talking about. We talk about the cats and dogs that sit around the edges, and then we wonder why we're not understanding the monster. Well, the monster is actually knowable. And unfortunately, people build theories describing the perimeter and never touching the monster. Right, right. What you believe is uh, designed by the propagandists of themselves. Course it is. That's and of course, the, definition the, of propaganda. The, the mass media cartel is their creation. Right. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, good enough for now, David Martin. Mark right. Anderson reporting for UK Column on day one, Red Pill Expo. Great, thank you. Oh, some quick websites. Uh, DavidMartin.world, ProsecuteNow.io, and FullyLiveAcademy.com. And I already got the Prosecute uh, purpose earlier. Thank you. Yep.